0: Well, we are absolutely so excited to have Eli and Janet Bansiev all the way from Siberia, Russia, Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada missionaries joining us on Sunday, May the 5th. And you are in for a great blessing. We're also honored to have Pastor Carlos and Angelica, his beautiful wife. And they come all the way from Susa, Colombia. And we've had the privilege of helping to build a church in Sousa, Colombia. And we've got the privilege of partnering with Eli and Janet Banshee in Siberia, Russia, helping them to plant churches. We are in for a great weekend. And we are believing, God, that we as a church above our regular missions budget will raise $75,000 to bless these projects. And if you feel the Lord prompting you to give, you could note on your giving envelope, Project 19. And I want to invite you to come on Saturday, May the 4th. You will see an insert in the bulletin for a special missions breakfast. I don't know the last time we've done this, but we're doing it this year. And we're going to have Carlos and Angelica from Colombia and Janet and Eli from Siberia at the missions breakfast. They'll be sharing, there'll be a question and answer period. I want you to come. You can register online, you will see the details on an insert in the bulletin. Or you can drop by one of the kiosks in the lobby, sign up, come and be a part of it. And make sure you're here on Sunday, May the 5th, as we just continue our global outreach focus, and we are so excited for that. How many people want to hear a praise report? Anybody want to hear a praise report? I said, how many people want to hear a praise report? You want to hear a praise report? Now, now we have a monthly prayer night, the, last, the fourth Sunday of the month, hundreds of upon hundreds of people been showing up for prayer one of our young adults a young man named David we prayed for him at a prayer night and he was diagnosed with a with a tumor brain tumor and uh, the doctors were trying to discern what this was going to look like and uh, he went through the series of tests and uh, the last report we got is that there is no brain tumor there it's not there it's not there Doctors said that there are some veins up there. We're going to give you some medication, and you should be fine. And so, I don't know. I suppose we can rationalize this, say, well, the doctors made a mistake. Uh, you know, they didn't do the reports right. It doesn't matter to me. All I know, what they said was there is no longer there. And I think we need to celebrate the name of the Lord. Amen. So I want you to get on your feet, if you would. We're going to pray. Pastor Brad, let us in a song about walls coming down. And there are people in the house today that you need a miracle from the Lord. We believe that nothing is impossible with God. Amen. So I want you to lift your hands high to the heavens. God, on this Palm Sunday, as we're entering into the Holy Week, As we're stepping towards Easter, we are so excited for what you're going to do next week. And we believe that this place will be filled at 9 and filled at 11. We believe that the overflow room is going to be filled. We believe that there's going to be hundreds of guests. And we believe that there's going to be hundreds of salvations. Hallelujah. We pray, God, on Good Friday as we celebrate communion, baptize in water, and share a message on the cross that you would be so present in this place. But now, God, we give you thanks for touching David in body. Hallelujah. And we pray, God, for everyone in this place that needs a miracle from you that you would reach down and touch them. Let the sick be healed. We pray that people who need to be set free would be set free in the name of Jesus. For those that need a breakthrough in finances, bring breakthrough in the name of the Lord. And God, whatever the need is, we present it to you. and We give you thanks for what you've done, what you're doing, and what you're about to do. To God be the glory in Jesus' name. Nobody whispered. Everybody shouted. Amen. Amen. Come on, put your hands together and celebrate the name of our Lord. Amen. Amen. I want you, before you're seated, to walk around, high-five some people, say good morning, hello, my name is, greet one another, and you may be seated. Happy Palm Sunday. I said happy Palm Sunday. Again, I'm so glad that you're here. How many people are ready for God's word? Come on, how many people are ready for God's word? I want to give a shout-out welcome to our online church. Honestly, there's people across our city, across our province, across the nation, and globally around the world. Hundreds of people join in every Sunday morning, and we want to thank you for joining in today. Well, we are in our April sermon series. We're calling it Lies We Believe. Notice that the word lie is in the word believe. It's kind of kind of weird how the devil can twist something and, and make us feel like something is true, even when it's not true. It's a lie. But we start to believe it. it gets into our head and it starts to affect our thinking. It begins to affect the way we feel, and it begins to dictate how we walk in life. Last Sunday, we talked about that lie when you feel like you are a failure. And and I had so many people come to me afterwards and email me and call me, and people coming up to us after the service, sharing what God's been doing in their life, and feeling that that was a word of the Lord for them. And so if you weren't here last Sunday, I honestly hope that you would just go online, watch it, download it, notes are there, and just let that, that message sink into your heart. Well, I want you to pull out your bulletin. On the back of your bulletin is a sermon outline, or you could pull it up on your handheld device. We have Wi-Fi in the auditorium, and go to our church website, and uh, there is an outline there. I want to talk to you today about the original six. Now, I know, some of you sports fan thinks I'm going to talk about the original six hockey teams. I'm not. But in case you were wondering what the original six hockey teams are, just in case you're wondering, you come here in Canada, you've got Toronto and Montreal, and then you've got uh, New York and Boston, and you've got Chicago and Detroit. That's the original six hockey teams. But we're not here this morning to talk about hockey. I want to take you back to Genesis chapter 3. And so if you've got a handheld device or a good old Bible like I got, you can turn to Genesis chapter 3. And we're going to explore the original six lies that the devil was throwing at Adam and Eve. And I want you to see this morning that these are the same lies that the devil is throwing at you and I today. He's not original. I mean, there's absolutely no originality in the devil. The devil takes what is true in God's word and twists it and turns it. And, and I tell you, he just tries to recreate it and tries to make what, 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 what is a lie feel like it's real, and it becomes your perception, and it feels like your reality. So we want to expose these lies of the devil, and I want you to be praying for me today because I tell you, we're doing some spirit warfare today, and I tell you, the devil's not happy when we expose his trickery and his lies. So I, could, could we just pause? God, I pray that you cover me and anoint me this morning. I pray, God, that you would help me to share what you, what you have put in my heart to share today to this great church. And I pray, God, that truth would expose the lie today. We're going to line up the lie under truth, and we're going to believe that you, Jesus, are going to set us free. So, God, have your way this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody shout it, amen. One day, Eve is walking in the Garden of Eden. It's probably a beautiful day and she's, she's walking around and, and all of a sudden there's this serpent there that begins to speak to her and a conversation begins to happen. Let me, let me read it to you, Genesis chapter 3, 1 to 6. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say, you must not eat from any tree in the garden'?" The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that's in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food, and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom. She took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. I want to give you today six lies. I want you to take notes, and I'm praying that Holy Spirit would quicken these lies and expose these lies as we line them up with the truth of God's word. Lie number one. Lie number one, Satan does not exist. And that's a lie of the enemy. I mean, we're going to see this morning the, the disguise of the deceiver, the disguise of the deceiver. I mean, in order for you to believe a lie, it's got to sound like it's true, right? I mean, if it's so bad and so wrong, you wouldn't believe it. But, but here's what the devil does. He mixed truth with lie, and, and when there's a little lie with truth, it's a lie. And so he wraps up the lie with some truth and he tries to make it as believable as can be. Now, here's the first lie the devil wants you to believe that he is not a liar, a killer, and a destroyer. He wants you to believe what he is not. He wants you, he wants you to believe that he is your friend. Now, look, please, at Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals that the Lord God had made. I don't want you to picture Eve walking in the garden and this big black snake coils up around a tree and hisses at her and shoots out a pointed forked tongue because if that happened this morning and a snake came up right now, I'm done, I'm gone, you finish the sermon, I'm out of this building right now. I don't like spiders and I don't like snakes. Are you with me today? I mean, I'm not good with that. I don't want, that's, that's how the snake became, but that's not how the snake was, the serpent. Now, I studied the ancient Hebrew word for serpent this week, and it, and it, it came to life for me, and one of the variations of the ancient Hebrew word for serpent means shine, something shines. So I, I want you to, I don't know how you can do this in your brain, because you've got this black cobra in your head, this big, fat, ugly snake in your head, but, but no, the serpent was shining. I mean, the serpent was alluring. The serpent was really, really glowing, very, very attractive. Now, I don't understand all this, and I got a lot of questions when I get to heaven, like a talking snake. I mean, did all the animals talk in those days? I don't know. I mean, did the devil inhabit the serpent, or was the serpent, I, I, don't, I don't know how it all went down, but here is the serpent shining and glowing, and Satan is speaking. And the Bible says, the Bible says, let me read again. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals that God had made. Now, notice, notice how the serpent is segregated, set apart from all the wild animals. Like, there's no other animal that was like the serpent. The serpent shone more than any other animal. And then you have to look at the word crafty. And I just went online and I googled the word crafty and I saw a lot of words that crafty means. Let let me read something to you. The word crafty means clever. The word crafty means cunning. It means deceivous or devious. Sly. Tricky. Scheming. Calculating. Underhanded. Dishonest. I mean that's What the serpent was, sly, tricky, deceiving, underhanded, calculating. I mean, subtly showing up in the garden and, and trying to trick, trick Eve and Adam. Now, hear me today. The devil uses the same strategy to Christians, I mean, I mean, some of you come from places on uh, the other side of the world in Africa, where the demonic is so huge and obvious, and witchcraft. And I mean, demonic is big, and we North Americans go, "Come on, man, that's a little far fetched. That's not the real world." I mean, the devil, the devil's so defeated that the devil's not out there. The devil's not doing. You, you need to hear me today that Satan is real, but you and I are stronger than we think because we got Jesus. Amen. But the devil wants you to think that he's not behind stuff. He's not doing stuff. That there's no spirit warfare going on. But you need to hear me today that there is spiritual warfare going on. And the devil is real. And so that's the lie number one that, that Satan does not exist. Lie number two. Then there's number two. God is holding out on you. I mean, come on now. He's putting some limitations on you, and he's trying to hold you back, and he's trying to be this killjoy, and he's trying—he's—he's—he's—he the deceiver in disguise is now the deceiver in debate. And I want you to look at the latter part of verse one down to verse three, and I, I want you to see how the devil, the devil starts to twist the word of God and wants you to feel like God is going out of his way to put limits on your life that you don't deserve. And he's trying to hold back and be the spoiler of joy in your life. God is holding out on you. Look at the latter part of verse one. The serpent said to the woman, did God... Really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? So, so the serpent's trying to put some doubt into Eve. Hear me today, the devil wants to put doubt in your life. God doesn't heal anymore. The devil wants to put doubt in your life. Your marriage will never get better. The devil wants to put doubt in your life. Your situation will never change. How many people know that's a lie from the pit of hell? Come on. The devil wants to put, did God, come on, Eve, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? So what does Eve do? Look at verse 2. Eve starts to have a dialogue with the devil. The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. But God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that's in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. Now, now, I, I want, I want, I want you to write in your notes Genesis chapter two, verse sixteen and verse seventeen. I'm not going to read it, but if you read Genesis two sixteen and verse seventeen, you will discover that Eve did not totally quote correctly what God said to Adam. Well, here's the deal: Eve was not present when God gave the command to Adam which means Adam had to convey the word that God said to him, to Eve. So my question this morning is, why did Eve not get it totally right? I think there's only a few solutions here, a few, a few observations here. Maybe, maybe one of them is this, that Adam misquoted the word to Eve, or Eve misunderstood the word from Adam, or Eve heard the word from Adam and then misquoted the word, but I know this. The devil loves to inhabit in the place of misunderstanding. The devil loves to inhabit in the place of misunderstanding. And the lie number two is that God is holding out on you. But then there's lie number three. God's word cannot be trusted. God's word cannot be trusted. I want you to look, if you would please, at verse number four. Because in verse number four, the devil responds, the serpent responds to the woman. You, you, you will not, you will not certainly die. You will not certainly die. You see, the devil seeks to diminish the goodness of God in our minds. And the devil wants to put doubt in your mind. And the devil wants you to question the authority of God's word. Now think about it today. How many people have you met today Said, come on, man. The Bible is some 2,000-year-old book. I mean, it was for back then. God didn't really mean what he said in that book today. We can do what we want. I mean, come on, man. That book is a little outdated. You need to get with the times. How many people know God's word transcends every generation? and all time. How many people in this house this morning know that the word of God is the final authority? I said, how many people this morning know that the word of God is the final authority? It is the inspired word of God. And if there's something that's been sweeping society today, and even churches, is to put aside God's word and no longer preach from God's word and no longer share the truths of God's word and get you to question the authority of God's word. I'll tell you where I'm at. If God God said it, I believe it. If God said it, I believe it. If God said it, I'm going to hold him to his word and live by his word and walk in his word and I'm going to I'm going to go about my life in the word of God. You need I'll tell you right now. Eve should not have been engaging in conversation with the devil. You don't you don't have a debate with the devil. You just simply say, "It is written." It is written. It's got to line up with the word of God. God's word cannot be trusted. But then there's lie number four. And this is a big one. Sin carries no consequences. I mean, that's a lie of the devil. Just go on. Live in your life. Any way you want. Because grace abounds. I I don't know about you, but I've, I've been seeing a subtle Lie of the devil sweep into Christians where here's the lie. Now, now stay with me, walk with me for a moment. How how many people believe that Jesus died for our sins? (sighs) I said, How many people believe that Jesus died for our sins? You believe that? Come on. If you believe it, put your hands together and affirm that. Do you believe that? Do you believe it? So, when you come to the cross and you invite Christ in your life, and you ask him into your life, and you confess to him, and you ask him to forgive your sins, how many people believe that Christ forgives you of all those sins of the past they are under the blood of Jesus? Do you believe that today? Amen? Do you believe it? Do you believe that you're a new creation in Christ? Do you believe that? So let me ask you another question. Do you believe that he doesn't just forgive you of your sins in the past, but he forgives your sins of today? Isn't that good news? Do you believe that? Let me ask you one more question. Do you believe that he forgives you of your sins in the past, and in the present, And he will forgive you of your sins in the future. Do you believe that? So, past, present, future. Here's the lie that I've watched Christians believe. They go, well, I've asked Christ in my life. And he's forgiven me of all my sins in the past and the present. And so his grace covers me in the future so I don't have to go to him and confess my sins. And here's the leap. I can live my life any way I want because that forgiveness, when I asked him in my life, covers me for however I live in the future. Do you see the lie? Now, how many people know when you come to Christ, you got to live for Jesus? How many people know when you come to Christ, you don't have a, a, a spiritual license that you can live any way you want, no matter what? How many people believe when you invite Christ in your life, you got to live your life as a follower of Jesus Christ? He forgives you of your sins past and present. But it doesn't give you the freedom to go and do what you want and live any way you want because you said a prayer you can live your life any way you want. You don't have a license for immorality because you asked Christ into your life. You hear me today? That's the lie of the devil. Sin has no consequences. No consequences. I've walked people down the road of adultery and affairs and they don't realize the consequences for their action respect from their children their marriage gets broken and i mean the list of consequences go on and on and on and on but the devil braced a lie into people that sin has no consequences but the truth is It does have consequences. And we must guard ourselves from this lie of the devil. We must not let our conscience be blurred and our judgment be clouded. We must realize that sin does carry consequences. But then there's lie number five. You can be equal to God. And I want you to look at verse number five. Because after the serpent said to Eve, you will not surely die. Come on, you're not going to die. Go ahead, eat that. You're not going to die. The serpent said to the woman, verse 5, For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. There's something that's been sweeping into Christianity and into churches. And we actually would call it, if we use a big word, the deification of man. Where we put people on a pedestal like they're kind of like the fourth member of the Trinity. Kind of like when we come to church, it's not about Jesus, but it's about the man or the woman on the platform speaking. Or we come to church and it's about the one on the platform leading in worship and, and, and we, get, we, get, we get twisted in our views that we begin to think that it's all about us and we begin to think that a church is growing and moving forward because of the giftings of a person and we begin to feel like that person is the anointed one and we begin to feel like that person is, is the superior one and, and that person is the special one and then it transcends into believers where believers think my life is together and I'm going forward because of me because I've got my act together because, because I've got these giftings in my life and I'm so good. and I, I, Church, I'm here to tell you today that there's no one in this place that we lift up other than the name of Jesus Christ. I'm here to say to you today the only true anointed one is Jesus. He is the Messiah. He is the Lord. He is the King of kings. He's the one that we lift up. I want people when they come to church to walk out and not say, wow, what a great sermon. I don't want them to walk out and say, wow what an incredible song that Pastor Brad taught us today I want people to walk out and say wow what an incredible Jesus we serve that's that's the key It's, it's easy in a North American culture to get a crowd I'll tell you how you get a crowd just preach something that tickles the ears of a person teach wealth and health and prosperity Teach something that makes people think if you put $5 in the offering plate, God's going to turn that around and bless you with 100 bucks. Teach people, teach people something that is just a little off the balanced truth of God's word. Yes, God wants to bless you, and let's, yes, you reap what you sow, and, and yes, there's blessing of God. But but just teach something that tickles their ears and make them feel so comfortable, and, and get up there and never use the word sin, and never talk about hell, and never talk about consequences for sin, and just talk about the goodness of God and never the holiness of God. I promise you, you will get a crowd, but someday I've got to stand before Jesus and I've got to answer to the Lord because God would tell us that we are to teach and preach the whole counsel of God. I've seen some people say, just forget the Old Testament because we live in the New Testament. I've even heard people say, forget the Paul's epistles and only focus on the word of Jesus. The last I checked This is the inspired word of God from Genesis to Revelation. Come on, are you with me today, church? Come on. You you need to hear me today. That it's easy to get a crowd, and it's easy to preach and teach something that feels good, that simply is imbalanced from the word of God. But if we're going to preach about the goodness and the love of God, we better also preach about the holiness of God. If we're going to talk about how real heaven is, we better also talk about how real hell is. We better be prepared to preach and teach the whole counsel of God and not raise anybody up to the place like they are to be worshipped. The only one that we want to lift up is the name of Jesus. As he increases, we decrease. I don't know about you, I want more of him and less of me. Because when there's more of him, there's more miracles that happen in this place. We do not chase after faith healers. We pursue the giver of miracles, Jesus Christ. We seek after the Lord Jesus. I I, I hope you're catching this this morning. Never fall into the trap of the deity, the deification of mankind. I mean, it's a setup and a staging for the Antichrist. There is no one that we worship, and there's no one that we lift up, and there's no one that we should put on a pedestal, and there's no one that we should say how wonderful they are other than Jesus Christ. He's the one. Come on, come on. Are you with me today? If you're with me today, put your hands together and celebrate our Lord God. It's a lie, and it's subtle. It's a lie, and it's subtle. Now, I'll tell you the challenge. I'm just going to be blunt, and I'm going to be direct. The reason why at times it feels like the roaring Satan seeking whom he can devour is tricking the church and fooling a lot of believers to imbalance stuff that's a lie is because, here it is, I'm just being honest, Christians are not as good as they used to be at memorizing and learning the word of God are you hearing me today we read books about it we watch movies about it we throw a little scripture in now and then but when's the last time you memorized a chapter from God's word when's the last time you memorized a book from God's word When's the last time you you consume the word of God that it's so in you that when the devil comes at you and messing with your feelings, you can say, it is written. Are you hearing me today? You've got the weapon to come against the lie of the devil. It's the word of God. It is written. So when Satan disguises himself and tricks you and tries to deceive you, you can say, "Uh uh-uh, it is written. It is written. It is written according to God's word. Number one, Satan doesn't exist. That's a lie. Number two, God is holding out on you. He's not holding out on you. Number three, God's word cannot be trusted. His word can be trusted, amen? Number four, sin carries no consequences. Yes, it does. Number five, you can be equal to God. No, you can't. But here's the biggie. Number six, if it feels good, do it. I'll tell you, that lie is swept amongst many people. If it feels good, do it. I mean, just if it makes you feel good, go and do it. I always find it interesting, and I've seen it more times than you can imagine, where I have watched smart, intelligent people who are followers of Jesus Christ, stay with me, create a theology to justify their sinful actions. I mean, people who are intelligent and smart and know God's word, all of a sudden, set it aside and create a theology to justify their sinful actions and a theology that is imbalanced and out of tune with God's word. Well, come on, like, it feels good. Like, I mean, come on, God wouldn't want me to not do this. Like, Come on, he, 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 he really loves me, and he, he, it's okay, and come on, get with the times, and come on, Mark, get, get, come on, this is 2019, Pastor, you need to wake up, it's not the way it used to be. What you're saying is not politically correct. I'm not here to be politically correct, I'm here to be biblically sound. I'm not here to be politically correct, and I'm honest to God, not on a soapbox, and I'm not here to rant, I'm here to say to you, it's the word of God that we're to live by. If it feels good, do it. Look at verse 6. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and she ate it. And she gave some to her husband. Now, I don't know if you heard the tone of my voice when I was reading the scripture. When I was reading the scripture, my voice went a little louder, a little up. Who was with her? I just want to push pause and say, come on, Adam. Come on, Adam. When your wife is having a debate with the devil, why didn't you step in and say, come on, dear, let's get out of here because it is written. Are you, you getting that? What, what, was, what was Adam doing? Standing on the sidelines, letting his dear wife have a debate with the devil and not being the true covering that God has called him to be for Eve, instead he remained as the silent partner and he watched something go down. I will tell you what he should have done: say, "Let's get out of here," and we'd been a lot better off if he took a little pitchfork and did this to the serpent that day. I'm just saying. I mean, he's just—he's there. Now let's read it again. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food, pleasing the eye, desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it, and she gave some t- to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. I've heard people say to me all the time, the devil made me do it. You ever heard that expression? Couldn't help myself. The devil made me do it. I I just want to say to you, the devil doesn't make you do anything. You choose to do what you choose to do. The devil might point out the sin and point you in the wrong direction but God always gives you a window of opportunity to choose what is right and I promise you you would be better off to choose what is right and I'll tell you you will choose what is right when the word of God you you are soaked in the word of God and you're walking and living in the spirit and you're dwelling under the shelter of the most high and you're living and abiding in him and when you're walking in a relationship with God and you're living in his covering and the word of God is in you and you're walking in the spirit you will be able to walk away and say, "Uh, uh, uh-uh-uh, because my God said, it is wrong. It is wrong. If it feels good, do it. These verses aren't, well, I think, yeah, I do have some of these verses on the screen. Look at verse 7. Then the eyes of both of them were open, and they realized that they were naked, and they sewed fig trees together, and they made coverings for themselves. When when people sin, often shame kicks in, and they try to cover up. And then then something else happens. Something else happens. Look at verse 8. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he's walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Bible scholars call this a theophany. It's it's a pre-incarnate of Jesus Christ walking on earth. They hear the sound of the Lord God as he's walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord among the trees of the garden but the Lord God called to the man, where are you? Church, I wish I had time to expand on those words, where are you, in verse 9. But here it is, God is longing for a relationship with you. And so, then the blame game kicks in, and the questions start to happen. And, 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 and you know, you know, who, who, who made you do this? And Adam said, she made me do it. And then, and then God said to Eve, well, why did you do it? And she said, well, the devil made me do it. Well, who does the devil blame? And, and, and so you got this blaming. You got this hiding. You got this fear. And God is asking a series of questions. Now, now note this. Not as a hearing, but as a healing. And I want to show you a verse that is going to be on the screen, and it's verse 21. Look at the screen. It's a powerful verse. It's probably the most powerful verse in Genesis chapter 3. I mean, Adam and Eve had sinned, and they're hiding, and they're covered in, in fig leaves, and and, and and they're dialoguing with God, and, and, and Adam's blaming Eve, and Eve's blaming the devil. And, and then in verse 21, the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. Now, I had a few questions. If God made garments of skin, where did he get the garments from? The me give you an answer, an animal. In order to get the skin from an animal, what must he do to the animal? Kill the animal. Now, now look at, look at the screen. Look at the screen. This, this is this powerful. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife, and he clothed them. Could it be? Could it be? This, of course, is the first verse that shows us a sacrifice in the Bible. Could it be that this is a verse that points towards the ultimate sacrifice that Jesus made when he gave his life on a cross for our sins? I read this verse, and I see grace all over it. You see, now how can I say that? Now, I didn't put these verses on the screen, but if you look at chapter 3, after God has the dialogue with Adam and Eve, and Adam blames Eve, and Eve blames the devil, and all that happens, the Lord God says to the serpent, remember the serpent whose name means shine? Because you've done this, this is verse 14, cursed are you above all livestock. And all wild animals, I love this next part, you will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. Look at verse 15. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. Then he says, he will crush your head and you will strike His heel. Oh, I'm surprised that nobody said amen after I read that verse. I want to take you into the New Testament here. And I I just want to read to you a couple of verses from Paul's writing from Colossians chapter 2. And I, I want to read Colossians chapter 2 verse 13 down to verse 15 and I think you better stand to your feet for these verses. Could you do that? Would you stand to your feet? We're in the final moments of this message. Before I read from Colossians two thirteen to fifteen, let me say it again: that God made a covering of animal skin for Adam and Eve, which means He had to kill an animal. Which means we have the first sacrifice. A sacrifice that points towards the ultimate sacrifice when Jesus gave his life for our sins. And when God is speaking judgment, he says, he will crush your head. And you will only be able to strike his heel. You see, you see, we're, we're, we're in holy week, folks. This is Palm Sunday. This is the wave, the palm branch Sunday. This is give him praise. But coming up is Good Friday, and Good Friday is good for you and me. But it was bad day for Jesus in some sense because they took him, put him on a cross, and the devil thought that that was the best day he had ever had. And they took him off a cross and they put him in a grave. But I want to read to you now what Paul said to the church in Colossae, verse 13, verse 14, verse 15. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. How many people are glad that God has made you alive in Christ? Now, just stay with me. Before you came to Christ, you were dead in your sins. And you could do nothing to take away your sins. But God, out of his grace, died for your sins. And when you came into Christ, he took you who was dead in your sin, and he made you alive with Christ. Note this. He forgave us all our sins. Come on, man. That's powerful. He forgave us all our sins. (laughs) Having canceled the charge Of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. You know what that means? When Christ died for our sins, he took the penalty of our sin upon himself. It was nailed to the cross of Jesus Christ. I think you should give a little shout of praise in this place today. He took the price of your sin. Now I've been waiting to share this final verse for the last part of this sermon i purposely didn't put it on the screen cuz i don't want you gazing at the screen i want you to i want you i want you to let this verse just soak in because we've been trying to expose the lies of the devil and, and tell you, when you talk about the devil, you start to think that he's powerful and he's strong and he's a dragon and he's a serpent and he's a roaring lion and he's roaming around seeking whom he can devour. But look at verse 15 of Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Because church, the devil tried to strike his heel, but when Jesus came, it's kind of like when he died, but on the third day, he arose from the grave. It's kind of like he went to the old serpent, and he crushed his head. You need to understand today that the devil is defeated. The devil, come on Woodville, the devil, the devil is defeated. The devil, the devil is defeated, And, and the devil only has any authority or power on your life when you give him that power and you give him that authority so we're not going to give the devil any power we're not going to give the devil any authority we're going to stand on a solid ground of our faith in Jesus Christ and we're going to put on the full armor of God we're going to put on the full armor of God and so the full armor of God is what we read in Ephesians chapter 6 and in Ephesians chapter 6 When we talk about the full armor of God, finally be strong in the Lord. Now, church, I said to you, you are a lot stronger than you think. And your strength is not found in you, but your strength is found in the Lord. Come on, Woodville. Your strength is found in the Lord. Your strength is found in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. I'll tell you church you may not be a match for the devil but but I'm telling you right now Jesus, Jesus can take care of the devil's schemes in your life if you just rest in his power and you be strong in the Lord. Come on, are you with me today? And then he said our struggle's not against flesh and blood. I'm not your enemy. You're not my enemy. Your spouse is not your enemy. Your boss is not your enemy. The Prime Minister of Canada is not your enemy. Your neighbor is not your enemy. Someone else in this church is not your enemy. There's only one enemy. There's only one enemy, and it is Satan, and he is already defeated. And so the devil's trying to trick you and I to think that you're my enemy. I'm your enemy. The Prime Minister's your enemy. Your neighbor is your enemy. Your boss is your enemy. There's only one enemy, and the enemy is Satan, and he's already defeated. He tried to strike the heel of Jesus. But my Jesus, my Jesus crush his head. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against authorities, against the power of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Here's what you need to do. Put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes you'll be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, I'll tell you why Christians are following and struggling is because they're not taking their stand in Jesus Christ. He said, put on the full armor of God. Put on the full armor of God so when the day of evil comes you'll be able to stand your ground after you've done everything to stand verse 14. I, I, let me just push pause. I could pull out a book and read a little chapter from a book this morning, but I've chosen not to do that. I've chosen just to read the Word of God. I've just, cho- come on, I've just chosen to read the Word of God. I'm just reading. I'm just sharing with you the Word. I hope you're not offended this morning. I hope you're not getting bored this morning. I hope you're not tuning out this morning. How many people know the Word of God is alive? And come on, how many people know the Word of God is powerful? How many people know the Word of God is sharper than a two-edged sword? Now, now stay with me. I said that for a reason because the The devil's trying to get you distracted. The devil doesn't want you to hear what I'm about to share next. So I just rebuke the devil in the name of Jesus Christ. And I pray that your mind and your heart and your spirit would be open to let this next scripture that I'm about to read soak into your spirit because it's going to change your spirit walk. Are you with me today? Come on, if you're with me today, say yeah. I said, if you're with me today, say yeah. Are you ready for the word of God? If you're ready, say ready. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. I thank God for the belt I'm wearing because I've been losing a little weight. And if I, if I didn't have this belt on, these pants aren't staying up. My belt keeps me together. The truth of God's word keeps you together. Huh with the breastplate of righteousness in place. I mean, a soldier would wear a breastplate that would protect him from the enemy's flaming arrows. I'll tell you, church, it's not your righteousness. It's the righteousness of Jesus Christ. i tell you, it's the righteousness of Jesus Christ that you were clothed with. That's the grace. Oh, I'm so good. I'm so wondering. You're not. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. I'm saved by grace. It's his righteousness that I stand in. Hallelujah. With your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. These are new shoes. I bought them a little too small. I had to go to my shoe repairman to stretch my shoes. They feel good now. I can walk very comfortably in these shoes. I'm I'm spiritually fitted. With the readiness, not of the gods. How many Christians are trying to pick a fight? I think we need to pick the fight with the devil and then share the peace and the love of Jesus Christ. Whoa. Oh. Verse 16 In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. I hope you're not getting bored. Let me tell you this soldiers in those days would have a shield. It wasn't a big shield, Uh, but they would have a shield, and in their army, their shield would lock into the shield of their cold soldier. I want you to picture a long row of soldiers with a shield that is locked together. Uh, You know what that teaches me? There's strength when our faith is united together. We're in this battle together. Come on. We're in this battle together, and we're walking, and we're living. We're walking. We're living by faith. Take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation. And in just a moment, we're going to pray that God would cover your mind in Christ Jesus and that the devil would stop playing havoc on your mind. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. A sword is offensive. How you fight the enemy is not with your quotes, not with your whining, not with your complaining, not even with your shouting, but just simply saying it is written. Thus saith the word of the Lord. Thus saith and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Every head is bowed. Everyone's eyes are closed. As your pastor, I felt the Lord saying something to me yesterday. As I was here in the church and I was praying and getting my final thoughts together for this message, I felt the Lord say to me that the devil's been playing havoc on so many minds, on the thought lives of so many in this place. And the devil's been trying to put lies in your mind. You're a loser. You're no good. You're a failure. Your situation will never change. You'll never get healed. You'll never get through this. And the devil's been twisting the word of God and playing havoc right now. The devil's playing havoc on so many minds. And we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna pray that there's going to be a covering of God over our minds. So this doesn't make you feel too awkward, and I hope it doesn't, close your eyes, put your hands on your head right now. I'm just going to pray that there will be a covering of Holy Spirit over every mind in this place. So Jesus, I plead your blood over my mind. I plead the blood of Jesus over everyone's mind in this place. I pray that we would never again allow the evil, twisted, perverse, incorrect, wrongful thoughts of the devil to get in our mind. Cover the minds of this church in the name of Jesus. We are going to stand strong in you, Jesus. I pray that you would cover our minds in the name of Jesus. Nobody whispered. Everybody shouted, Amen. Amen. I said, Nobody whispered. Everybody shouted, Amen. Amen. Come on, give a loud clap offering a praise to the Lord God Almighty. So, does the devil exist? Yeah. Should we walk in fear? No. Come on, should we walk in fear? How many people believe that Jesus is stronger than the enemy? I said, "How many people believe Jesus is stronger than the enemy?" How many people know that the devil is a thief, a liar and a killer and a destroyer? But Jesus has come that we might have life and life more abundantly. So cover yourself with the truth. The truth of God's going to keep your life. Your life's falling apart because you're not living in the truth of God's word. I don't know where that came from. I just feel the Lord just gave that to me. Your life is falling apart because you're not living in the truth of God's word. Your life might feel like it's coming apart, but, but you will walk in a peace when you're living in the truth of God's word. Every head is bowed. Everyone's eyes are closed. Before we, before we close, there's two things. Number one, if today was the day that you died and you stepped into eternity, are you positive that you're going to heaven? Have you personally asked Jesus Christ into your life and asked him to be your Lord and Savior? But 25 people last Sunday lifted their hand between our two morning services, asking Jesus to come into their life. Maybe you've never done that before. And if today was the day that you died and you stepped into eternity, do you know that you know that you're going to heaven? We can't close this service without giving you an opportunity to get right with Jesus. Heads are as eyes are closed. No one is looking, please. If you'd like to make a decision to ask Christ to come into your life and step into a personal relationship with the Lord because you want to be ready for heaven, I'm going to count to three, and after I count to three, I want you to lift your hand. By lifting your hand, you're letting me know, Pastor Mark, I, I want a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. I want to be ready for heaven. I want to be led in this prayer. One, two, three. That's you. You just lift your hand high as you can. Yeah. 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 But your hands are going up. You can put your hands down. You lifted your hand. I'm going to lead you in this prayer. And we're going to join you as you pray. Let's pray together. Dear Jesus. Dear Jesus. I ask you into my life. I ask you into my life. Please forgive me of my sins. Please forgive me of my sins. I have decided. I have decided to follow Jesus. To follow Jesus. Today. I make my peace peace with you. you. I receive you in my life. I I declare you you my Savior, my my Lord. Lord. In Jesus' name, name. amen. Amen. Come on, Woodville, it's party time. Come on, it's party time. It's party time. There's a, a whole bunch of people that lifted their hand, and if that's you, on your way out, just a moment go in the main lobby, you're going to see a big word on the wall, follow. There's some real friendly people there. We're going to give you a Bible. It's free. And uh, we got a little booklet. It's free. And if you don't attend a Bible-believing, life-giving church, how many at Whitfield would be honored if they joined us in the journey? I would be. We'd love to have you. Now before we close, there's, there's a couple final things. I, I want the altar workers to come and stand at the front, please. And be ready because I I believe there's a number of people that they'd like prayer over their life, and we want to make ourselves available to pray for you. So altar workers, just come immediately. Pastors, come immediately, and board members, and just be ready. And after I pray, if there's people who come forward, we, we believe that nothing's impossible with God, amen? I said, we believe nothing is impossible with God, amen? And as you leave, get those invites. Hand them out. We're giving them to everyone we know. We're believing for hundreds of salvations. Come on Good Friday. We're back the water, communion, focusing on the cross, Easter Sunday morning. It's going to be great. Invite friends to come on Saturday for that chocolate Easter egg hunt. Pray for really nice weather, alright? It's happening, rain or shine. If it's shine, it's outdoors. If it's rain, God forbid it's rain, it'll be inside, but it's happening. And, and, and with every bag that those boys and girls get, when they fill them up with Easter eggs, it's an invite to come on Sunday. And we honestly are believing for hundreds of salvations. Now, I'm just going to close in prayer, but if you'd like someone to pray for you, we really believe that nothing's impossible to God. So, Father, thank you for this amazing church. I pray that we this morning would be encouraged by the word. And I pray that the word of God would just lift our spirits today. God, I know there's people walking through stuff. And I pray as they come forward, we pray for them that miracles would happen, just just like it did for so many in this church. We've seen you do so many miracles. God, we're not here to tell you how to do the miracle. We're just saying, do the work, God. Continue the good work. God, I know there's people in this place this morning that had a loved one pass away. Comfort them by your spirit. I know there's people in this church getting ready for surgery. Go before them in the name of Jesus. There's people right now in this service walking through treatments. Go with them each step of the way. And I pray, God, that we would not listen to the lie of the devil, but we would live out and stand on the truth of your word. Thank you for this amazing church. Give us a great day and a great Easter weekend. In the name of Jesus, everybody said, amen. Whoo! This altar's open. I want you to feel so free to come forward for prayer, and God bless you.